0: previously on Box Cutters. Good to see young white kids making their way in the world.
1: (laughs) Young white men, not enough of them around. Not enough of them around. I find it hard to tell them apart, I will say that.
0: Mm. Well, young white bearded men. Who who knows?
1: It's my favourite.
0: So we finish with him, and then we do this. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 341. Oh... You've got to laugh. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Courtney Hocking. Hi, Josh. To my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Coming up later on in this episode of Box Cutters, we have Penny Robbins, the uh, producer of Whitlam, going to be on the phone talking to us about that new documentary, Whitlam, The Power and the Passion.
2: Which is,
1: not, which is not a song by the Whitlam's, so not, it doesn't even make sense.
0: No, it's a song by Midnight Oil.
1: Yeah, but it's not by the Whitlam's, so it doesn't no. make sense.
0: And uh, we're also going to speak to Shane Dunlop, who is the writer and director of a new series on Channel 31 called Leon Gather. He's going to come in and talk to us about uh, making television for uh, no money. No no money at all. How do you make drama for no money?
1: If anyone knows, he will. And he will be able to tell us, I think.
0: Uh, We also have, uh, later on the show, letters to box cutters. We've got one thing. Uh, Ben McKenzie is in, uh, Mm -hmm. wearing a hat. It's a fedora. Uh We've got some pork. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. (laughs) that we have to do because glenn peters is angry oh yeah glenn peters is not here but he is angry that 2012 the blatant ripoff of john clark's the games, the games has won a bafta Mm oh that's what that was about yes yes now uh look we're not saying that they entirely stole every single thing about the games i think we've said that before josh did not didn't yeah, but now they' now, get sued they're, now for they're this? Wasn't there they BAFTAs winning no, they no I think they I think they tried it was just it's too difficult to sue internationally over it, it's just and who has the money
1: what? Was, yeah, I, yeah. You can
0: you can hear about it though if you listen to our interview with John Clark, which was episode Ben Mackenzie will tell us later on in the show mm-hmm. uh, of of box cutters about six months ago. Uh, John Richards and I did an interview with John Clark where we spoke about this, so yeah. uh, you'll be able to hear a little bit more about it. And that is the Boxcutters news.
2: The main impression I have of Goff is that he was just interested in ideas. John Menardew was a 25-year-old economist when he became Whitlam's first chief of staff. What drove him was equal opportunity. Systematically, Gott set about developing a whole range of new policies on education, housing, on cities, foreign
3: affairs, health. He had a vision of a, a better Australia, a stronger Australia.
0: Whitlam, The Power and the Passion is a new documentary airing on 26th of May on ABC1. Penny Robbins is the producer of that documentary. Penny, welcome to Boxcutters.
2: Hi there.
0: So did you and Paul come up with the, uh, the the concept of the of the documentary together?
2: Paul Clark, who's the writer-director and um, very much a kind of you know great collaborator. And we've worked together a lot in the past and um, have a very shared view in terms of what we're trying to make which always helps. We were invited by Beyond Screen to join them in they they basically came to us and said would we be interested in working with them to develop a project on Gough Whitlam. They'd had something on the drawing board for quite some time and hadn't quite cracked an approach that had kind of flown with the broadcaster they'd basically um, had, had sort of taken, I suppose, of a slightly more conventional, serious documentary approach and they came to us because they felt that we had done previous work that showed a kind of... Uh, a a sort of interest in entertainment as well as um, history documentary making. And Paul and I spent a couple of weeks writing, rewriting. Paul is primarily the writer, but we we sort of bounce ideas off each other. Very collaborative writing effort.
1: And do you find that's a a common way of of projects coming up for you now, that one company will have an idea and say that's the kind of angle we want and go like that? Or do you develop your own ideas together and, and do it in different ways?
2: It's really it varies a lot you know this was the first time I think that I'd been invited in to actually come up with an original idea in a co-production relationship um, often you might be invited to come and work on a project that's quite well developed mm. in a in a sort of partnering relationship, or it's um, you're starting from scratch and the two bounce between each other. I think it's just horses for courses. Yeah. Things vary a lot. It's a really it's a really
0: interesting mix. Looking at the the actual documentary itself of uh, of Talking Heads found footage. And reenactments. Can you talk a little bit about how, how the idea of uh, developing reenactments came
2: about? Well, the thing that you've left out actually is the music, which I think is a very significant element in the work that Paul has driven through his own. Um, you know, that's in a way that's his hallmark. In, in terms of his documentary filmmaking, bringing a sense of a period, a time, and bringing it to life. Music has been absolutely a really, really fundamental part of that. But in terms of the idea of reenactments, that, I guess, has just been... I don't know whether you've seen the previous series that Paul and I have worked on together, a two-part series called Bombora, The Story of Australian Surfing, and the elements were exactly the same as they are in Whitlam. It was music, was reenactment, it was um, found footage or archival footage and interview material. And the reenactments in Bombora were more, I guess they were more impressionistic. They looked more like a sort of, they were, very, they were stylized to look as if they had been shot on Super 8 and in fact some of them were shot on Super 8 but there was very much a kind of period feel to them um, in terms of the way that they were actually created and shot and I think these are quite different so you know I think each time I've worked um, with reenactment in documentary the style of the reenactments and the the way in which they're used changes and evolves.
1: In your press release, you mentioned that um, there was a lot of sort of usage rights issues in getting um, some of the historical footage. Did you, did you find that played a decision in how much sort of of the reenactments you did?
2: Well, yes. I mean, it, well, partly it's for entertainment. So it's actually to, to highlight particular um, moments, ideas, um, events that happened that for which there is no record. So, for example, Eddie Ward punches Gough Whitlam and Gough Whitlam stag- staggers back into his office with a slightly bleeding lip. Now, by definition, you know, there's no, there is no recorded um, footage of that event. And it was a way of actually lightening up some of the quite intensely um powerful historical material that we were cutting into the series but it was a way of actually you know showing people that there were there was a lighter side or a darker side depending on how you read that particular
1: sequence in terms of a, a documentary it's very much tells the story from an outsider's view of politics, so there's not a lot of internal party politicking, despite the fact that there's a lot of politicians and talking heads in that sort of area. Did you have a particular audience in mind for this? Um, people who are new to um, the story of Gough Whitlam? I
2: think that the audience, in, uh, we wanted the broadest possible audience. And we wanted an audience of... Well, what we have is a 7.30pm viewing slot on ABC TV on a Sunday night, Mm. which is, um, roughly speaking, I suppose, in the way that the ABC would define it, that's kind of like family viewing, you know, slightly lighter than the 8.30 slot. So it is meant to play across the ages. Penny, just
0: lastly, as... uh as executive producer now, now with your uh, EP hat rather than mm-hmm. your P hat on, uh, in the in the lead up to, to this uh, being uh, released on onto onto TV, Mad as Hell, an ABC TV series has had a, a running joke uh, that the ABC only likes to show Whitlam documentaries uh, with their women behind the men behind the dismissal <laughs> uh, series. Uh, have, have were you aware of that, and how does how does a parody of genre that you are then uh, delivering uh, affect the the way you see uh, the the landscape
2: uh, i don 't think that particular parody has played a great a great part, actually, in what we've done. Look, I mean, there is a style of work that we've... You know, I'm not ducking the question, but I think the the way to answer it is we're... You know, if if what the ABC had wanted was um, the equivalent of the Howard years, as in the Whitlam years, um, or um, Whitlam in power, as in Labour in power... Then we wouldn't have been commissioned to make the series you know we don't make that kind of we don't do that kind of work we don't make those kind of films i think there's a really important place for those sorts of programs but i think that this series i'm proud of it i think it goes a long way to actually um reopening a really important period it it mixes nostalgia with really hard politics. I think it is entertaining. I think it should reach a broad audience. And yes, of course, you know, there's always the kind of... There are are always um, you know, I guess there are predictable areas of um, film and TV making, but who, you know, what, what are the other Whitlam films? Do you not think that this is actually a worthwhile... Subject, you know, is it is it as predictable as all that? You know, what do you think?
0: Oh, I I, I just liked the uh, the illusion uh, that uh, that matters held true uh, with the ABC's fascination with Whitlam in the same way that uh, when the show was Newstopia on SBS, they uh, they made uh, very very clear lines between SBS and its fascination with World War Two. Mm, you
2: see, I think I don't think there's any evidence for that particular. Um, parody. that's all I mean with we, no you know I'm not being a sm- I'm not trying to be smart about it I think if you talk to Mark Hamlin the EP from Beyond Screen he found it very hard to convince the ABC to do something on Whitlam because they haven't done it right so the last piece of television as far as I'm aware the last commissioned program was 1992 it could be 1991 but it was I think it was 1992 and it was Mark Davis and it was produced by Wendy Borchers that a hell of a long time ago for something where the story has evolved and more has come to light as the public record has been opened up. It's only recently that some of the story has actually really come to the fore.
1: Well, there's certainly been a lot of uh, renaissance in terms of interest in what's been happening, you know, what happened in the 70s and the history in there, and certainly in Australian drama like, you know, Puberty blues and paper giants and... Yeah. Um, how's that all of those things so there's it's it's certainly um, relevant to the I suppose the
0: the the new uh the new reflective zeitgeist zeitgeist.
2: yeah Yeah. the reflective so you're well timed in that regard that's for sure I think that that you have to be a certain distance away um, for these things to really work, you know, but there is actually a lot of this story that is really powerful, really important to us as Australians to understand.
0: It is definitely full of uh, information. I, I think people are going to get a lot out of uh, out of watching it. Penny Robbins, thank you so much for joining us on Box Cutters. Oh, my pleasure. Whitlam airs the 26th of May and the 2nd of June in consecutive Sundays on the ABC. Hello,
3: Box Cutters. Nice to see you again. Time for a podcast. Podcast with the box cutters.
4: Fucking hell, you two. I'm meant to be getting married in two hours. We're running late and you two are discussing the finer points of being shit cousins. Hey, Denny. Hold on to this for a sec, will you? No, listen. Daryl, I think I've got too much going on with the hoff No, mate, you'll be fine, okay? We, we don't need anything fancy. Just whatever you can do is fine by us, mate. I've, well, that's a relief. Yeah, cool. Just, just make sure you get some nice pics of, uh, of Carol walking into the church, all right? Okay, I can do that. Yeah, yep. yeah, cool. Actually, if you could also get some of the bridal part of getting ready beforehand, you know, and the crowd. What, what we want is, a, is like a bit of John Mayer or Coldplay playing over the actual video, but like, that can be done in editing. We can talk about that later, okay? You know, actually, also, get some of Mum and Dad. Okay, the speeches and there's there's going to be plenty of dance floor action. So just you know, if you could get some of that. But like I said, just no stress, mate. Just all good.
0: Leon Gather is a new show on Channel Thirty One. It's a drama, which is something that we're not used to seeing all that much on on Channel Thirty One. By drama, I mean narrative comedy. Let's sure. Let's go with narrative comedy. Uh, it is written directed by Shane Dunlop, who joins us in the studio. Welcome to Box Cutters, Shane. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. How does something like Leon Gather, which is a, a how many part series? It's a six episode six, series. Six episode series uh, shot on location. Primarily, um, yeah. How does something like that get made for community television?
5: Uh, well, going back to last year, there was uh, the, the Community Broadcasting Foundation released, and they've, they've done it again this year as well, but they released a, a series of uh, grant opportunities uh, to the tune of, I think, somewhere in the vicinity of 300,000. Uh, and uh, it was put to some of the producers and uh, affiliate producers for 31 to make an application, which I was at the time, still am. And uh, we decided to go with a few ideas, one of which was Lee and Gatha, and uh, we pitched for 10000 which is um, what we got um, sometime around about May of last year. How do you make a six-part series for $10,000? Uh, well, I mean, and I would say 30% of it went to uh, accommodation and catering. So we, you know, we more or less had 7000 to play with to, to actually get the thing done. Mm. We relied a lot on people um, more or less donating their time, so you know we weren't working for award um, rates. That's mm. for sure. So you know it was done on a shoestring, and uh, and
0: as such, I mean, I mean that's it's very it's very difficult to. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to do this sentence without saying "oh, it looks shit," it's <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because it's it's very it's very difficult to watch a show like this and keep in mind the constraints that it was made with, yeah. uh, as as well Be- because it does it does have. It doesn't have the tight editing that something with a major multi-million dollar budget would would have. No, that's
5: fair. I I think definitely when you're watching it, and I know the the limitations of of what our budget gave us, and I know that uh, there are times where you might spot things. Uh, I know that I'm sitting there watching it and I'm saying, if I had my time again, Mm. I would change that, or if I had a little bit more uh, money to put to a particular area of the the show, that uh, these are things that I would love to have fixed but we were working with such a tight uh firstly a tight time frame we, we we more or less had to have this thing up and running within about six to seven months of of having the grant given to us uh but not only that we shot on location for only five days wow and we got about 60 to 70 percent of the series done in that time wow so most of the cast and and if you if you ever bump into anybody that worked on it they will tell you that we did one two maybe three takes of everything and mm. and so watching it you might know, you know like you might notice that sort of manifesting itself in in some of the cuts that we were more or less forced into, but we would not have got it done if we didn 't work at that speed and yeah. I, I bring that up not to not to you know poke fun at
0: at your work because I think, <laughs> no, I, go right ahead i though. think i think you 've done done a, an amazing job with with those constraints. I bring it up because I think. Uh, ha- having watched it I think this is the way that people are going to have to get used to watching television They're right. going to have to be more forgiving Than they have been in the past mm-hmm. Because in order for original stories to be told mm-hmm. These constraints are going to have to be a, a part of it. I, think, uh, it I think it's the You're at the start of, uh, of a point where The audience is going to have to learn to watch television again
5: it may be so. I, I certainly think that there is a lot of forgiveness required with our show. Uh, that being said, there isn't a lot of um, – certainly not a lot of comedy that's um, narrative-based on no, community television. Right. Uh, we're one of – I think at the moment there might only be one or two other shows like us um, on 31 in Melbourne. Uh, and just uh, non-lifestyle programming in general mm. doesn't exist a lot. Um, uh, so we, we stand out as a result, but – um you know when you're asking people to tune in and watch us as opposed to watching any of the network television shows obviously they have to sort of watch it and and, and understand that they're not watching something that was made on the same uh, scale that uh, those those shows that you you know we, what we're basically talking about here it, we were operating on a minuscule uh, budget that's which for
1: sure. is i think totally the flip side of having this easy access to like overseas shows immediately downloading them um, and, you know, being able to quickly discern the quality shows versus the ones you don't really want to watch. Mm. You get very used to seeing a certain format and a certain style of how shows are. And then when you look at sort of the locally produced things, you know, just in Melbourne, let alone Australia, there's not even that much being done. Mm. And so it's really good to see a new... A new thing that's not a remake of something or sure. a format that's been done. Um, what kind of what kind of shows um, similar to this do you did you sort of like and think about while you were making this? Uh,
5: that's, that's interesting. I, I don't know that I I'm terribly influenced with this particular uh, series. Uh, you know the, the the shows and particularly the comedies that that I, that I I watch tend to. Um, I, I don't know, I, I kind of felt like as we sort of started to make this and as it was progressing, it turned into something else than, than what I'd intended on it being. So it, it actually became more of a, even though the, the, the clip you played was a little bit fruity language-wise, um, uh, it, it turned out to be a lot more of a, I don't know how to s- describe it, more of a, a family-based drama and less of a a balls-out comedy, yep. which is what we'd made previously more or less with our other series on on, uh, on 31 so um, it, it wasn't necessarily influenced by any particular program that i watched in, in, and and it, it kind of surprised me at how it turned out mm. a lot differently than what i'd sort of planned on um, you know I, I kind of feel like it's even though it's got some language that you know you might not want your children to listen to but uh, it ended up becoming more of a sort of a family uh, friendly program in a, how, in a weird way
1: how do you think that happened
5: well, I think because of the nature of of what we're what we're dealing with, we're dealing with a family going to a wedding, and and you know that they're they met with a bunch of different roadblocks, and they get sort of sidetracked, and there's lots of conflict within that family. Uh, but obviously, things, well, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but the, things sort of get resolved, and mm. and the end result is this family sticks together. Mm. And I think through that, and a lot of the uh, the people who worked on it, and and who have seen uh, some of the series. Um I've said that it, it's kind of relatable, uh, and so I yeah. think that ended up becoming more of a uh, a story that people could relate to, and and you know might not be sitting there um, with their stitches, you know, with, with their sides being sort of yeah. exploded, um, but were sort of sitting there more with a smile as opposed to, to in hysterics, and, yeah. and that wasn't necessarily what I'd in, I'd actually intended on it being a side splitter. Yeah. Um, so it, it was sort of interesting how it sort of evolved.
1: It's interesting how it even evolves in the in the episodes. Because I've only watched the first two, um, but the the sort of the main character who has gone through a breakup and mm-hmm. then he goes to this wedding. Um, it had that real ring of truth of the you know creative person. Um, whose family doesn't really understand what they do and everyone's got a yeah. suggestion of, you know, why don't you do a TV show about this or why don't you – I want you to do – like, like, just that heinous sort of thing. But also the flip side of that is that affection you can see for – like, that they have for him and he has for his family as well and, and how well-developed all the different characters are. It's sort of – it would be, I think it would be very easy in a show like that to have – some stereotypical characters but yeah. it's really pulled back a lot from that you know even in that clip that we heard just then with the you know groom talking about what he wanted the wedding video i've heard someone have that conversation well
5: it's happened to me yeah i mean it's exactly. more or less the the inception of the show it, it's based on a true story it, this trip actually did happen um to me uh not obviously not as uh, as uh, eventful as Mm. this series um, portrays but the whole conversation where you're asked by an extended family member or a or a uh, an associate or a friend of a friend to film their wedding and they just want you to do a basic job Yes. Uh, no stress, uh, and then you end up <laughs> sitting down beforehand and getting the list of of things that you know a twelve hour shoot and mm. and uh, uh, a bunch of different things. I want you to sort of capture um, yeah. it, it, that conversation I've had a, a, a number of times. I, I think I think that pathos comes out really yeah. really well, and the
0: just for, from the start when you see Denny, who is a, a young man already so world weary, yes. and uh, and his dad played excellently by Trevor Major who i think steals this this show of the, the two episodes that i've seen sure yeah he's uh, great he's so he's he's so good and and has uh so much subtlety to to his performance i can't wait for the next four episodes to know where his story goes uh but the this this idea that this guy just does not want to go home he doesn't want to mm. be around his past because all his past
5: know is what he was like growing up exactly, and not only that I think it's also that you know when you're when you've just gone through a breakup yourself which Danny the character has, the last thing you want to do is, is go and film somebody's wedding and (laughs) being around their happiness Mm -hmm. and uh especially then if your family are also dealing with your breakup in a less than subtle way they're asking you direct questions they're referring about you know where is your partner and what's going on they haven't got all the pieces of the puzzle so so they're not sort of dancing around it and that's something that denny goes through initially um and obviously struggles with uh you know and that's kind of where a lot of the initial um uh, conflict occurs for Denny when he's coming back to see his, his extended family, which he obviously doesn't see a lot. So, you know, he's coming back into that small country town, and they've got secondhand information through various forms uh, about the re- the relationship breaking down. And he's sort of stepping back into it, and, and uh, you know, getting hit with all these sort of emotional punches from his you know various family members.
0: It, it does deal a lot with the the concept of uh, happiness and fate, and, yeah. and 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 the intersecting lines. Are, are, of that and the uh you know you can't help but judge Danny's cousin daryl yes uh because of the way he acts and and how he talks about his best mate pav and yes. uh and he's he's there to be judged and therefore I, I think as an audience member i found myself judging his definition of happiness as well sure. why is he going to this wedding why is he why is i I don't know. I, I found it really easy to empathise with the uh, w- with the characters in the in the show. So well done there. Oh, thank you. Did you write it all all by yourself? Did you have a, a, a writing partner? And how did you h- how did you go through the themes?
5: Uh, well, we, because of the 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 nature of when we got we got the grant in May and we actually had pitched the show um, without having um, really anything other than a story overview for the six episodes so we essentially had to write the whole thing and have it uh, filmed before the Christmas break because when you're doing things um, like we were doing when you... Get, you know, most people are volunteering their time. You really had to sort of... You really can, you know, wipe out December and January. You're not going to mm. get people to sort of do anything for you over that time. So we knew we had to get it done before then, So which meant we had to have six episodes more or less fleshed out and written in that time. Uh, I wrote... Mm, the first and six episodes entirely by myself and the middle five uh, sorry the middle four we got um, some people to to write you know various different comedy writers around that were willing to sort of pitch in and 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 I guess it was interesting for me because it gave me the opportunity to sort of act as a a showrunner and also oversee um, Mm. different people's scripts and and get that experience, which I was really sort of keen to do. Um, You know, farming out uh, episodes to different writers was was kind of fun. Um, But we definitely then had to sort of come back with – The various scripts and then conform them into the overall sort of idea because there were some different tones and different ideas as to what characters would be saying in certain uh, scenarios that I I thought no you know Daryl needs to sort of be less uh, of a a prick and you know all those sorts of things so um, the writing was spread across the board um, for you know through a few different people but ultimately uh, the final drafts were written by me.
1: And is that, what is, because you said earlier that you worked at Channel 31, Mm -hmm. so what's your background in terms of TV?
5: Uh, I've been an affiliate producer for 31 for the last three years, so we had two series prior to Lee and Gatha that um, aired on 31. Uh, to 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 decreasing value uh, not decreasing value to decreasing quality um obviously it's been a, a great training um, ground for me uh you know learning how to produce a show tell a story arc over several episodes and, and doing so with little to no budget um you know obviously thirty one does provide um, the community with that opportunity so you can as long as you can put together, you know, uh, six episodes and they and they fulfil a, a, a certain um, standard of, of quality, um, they'll put it to air, which is, you know, I guess the fairest way I can I can say. Um, so I, I've been a, an affiliate producer for the last three years, and um, with this grant, obviously, we sort of kicked it up a, a notch with what we could sort of do with this uh, with this series. Um, and so my involvement there has just been a, 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 a um, it 's been a, a i guess a a learning experience yeah and does this now go to thirty one around the country? Yeah, well, we're in the in the process of negotiating the, the different um, contract agreements with the other community networks. So um, it'll go, you know, it'll play in all those states, but we've got to negotiate those uh, deals separately to the 31 contract.
3: As you're going through the production timeline, what what kind of relationship do you have with 31? What sort of oversight do they have
5: as you're going through? Uh, very little, other other than yeah, the fact that you just that-
3: turn up uh, uh, on the deadline day with the tapes and say play them.
5: More or less. The only, the only difference was with this one, because we were um, a grant, uh, we had been awarded the grant, and that was through 31. They had to endorse us as a, as a production group. Um, so we had to meet certain um, uh, ro- you know uh, landmarks along the way. We had to satisfy certain reporting uh, agreements. So kind of boring, but we basically had to check in and we had to provide proof that things were, were travelling along. Um, yeah. So uh, outside of what I think the normal procedure would be, more or less at 31, uh, they would agree to a show they would see a show and say yeah we'll put it to air and then uh, as long as you hand that show in before a certain period then they, it's hands off um, whereas yeah we had that extra reporting that we had to do and there was a bit of liaising going on back and forth
3: yeah so do you source your own crew or do you have a, a pool that are involved at 31 that you can we, select from
5: we're entirely independent so we, we uh, a lot of the other programming that does go and and and, and some of the other uh, sort of narrative based um non-lifestyle shows that go to, th- to air on 31 they're typically done through Um, rmit tv um other other uh, schools and universities so we're completely independent um our crew our cast everybody um i guess has been working together now for a little while so we're a little a little team that exists sort of out there on our own um which is good for us in a way but obviously it'd be great sometimes to have the resources and the uh the different things that we could call on if we were sort of affiliated to a Mm. to a university with uh, with the the budgets and the constraints and and
0: everything that you have with with thirty one, obviously you don't have the interference that you would have if you were with a, a major network. Mm-hmm. Uh, this being something that it seems like you, you want to continue as 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 a career, how do you think you'll react to uh, you know
5: having the money but the interference? I, I definitely think that's one thing that we. Uh you know when you're talking earlier about the forgiveness that's required in the series and these are these are gaps that we we had to more or less sort of um gloss over because of the the budget and the time constraints and I'm aware of the fact that the the higher up the chain you go, the more people you have to employ the more uh checks you have to sort of tick off and uh, the more rules you have to sort of follow if there was an o h and s uh person on our set for a few of the you know we we're shooting on a moving bus, yeah. So I don't yep. want to get ourselves into any kind of legal <laughs> okay. issues here, but but we we probably broke some road <laughs> safety rules. It was a, it was something that we had to cut a few corners from time to time, and there mm. are some things that we did that we just simply couldn't do if we um, mm. if we had a, a, a working crew of twenty as opposed to four or five. So some some of the things worked out in our advantage, and I don't think we would have been able to shoot as fast. And I know for a fact that you don't shoot as fast, and you don't um, give you know there's not two takes to it and then you move on like we were doing it allowed us to get the whole thing done you know for very little uh, cost wise and also i I think the total production time was about 13 days um that's not a long time Mm -hmm. and so the higher up the food chain you go the more money you spend the more people you have to employ and the longer everything takes and so it's kind of a we're in the middle there i think as far as being able to get things done but not having um, you know a lot of fat to uh, have to you know worry about as far as a bloated cast or a bloated crew. The first episode is currently available, which aired on Thursday. That's available on the Thirty One website at the moment. as like their version of um, iView, it's okay. catch up TV, and they do that every Monday. So we're able to put it on YouTube eventually. And uh, and as far as um, we are planning on um, uh, cutting it into a, a theatrical. Um, a version oh cool mm-hmm. uh, which I actually think will play a little bit better um, uh, you know as a as a a feature film essentially
1: because it certainly does like the two episodes I saw it, you know it's very easy to just watch it all in a row and it sort of it almost does feel better that way um, yeah I, I don't know why
5: <laughs> I, I don't know that we've got as uh, uh, there are a couple episodes where we don't have a natural just by virtue of, of the, the the projects that are going on and you, you can't keep on top of everything and all of a sudden we found ourselves with okay this episode doesn't have a, as natural an ending as we would have liked it mm. to have had as far as telling a, a mini story in, a, in an overall uh, story arc, so um, I, I feel like a, the the a feature version would actually play a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so we're definitely doing that, and 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 that may only end up being that we you know that we have a. a we enter it into a few different sort of low-budget independent feature competitions, but it'll have a life outside of the TV broadcasts, and we've got the scope to be able to do that as long as it doesn't compete with the television broadcast rights that the various community networks have with us. Shane Dunlop, we wish you the best of luck with Leon Gatha
0: and its many upcoming versions Yes, I <laughs> think it sounds like uh, at the moment uh, people in Victoria can see it on Channel 31
5: on Monday nights is it? Uh, f- Thursday, Sorry, Thursday nights right. at 10 uh, Mondays on their website will be the, the catch up TV I'm a postman I have a
3: letter
4: Did you read it? You're a godsend. No I'm, I'm just a postman the postman The postman The postman The postman
0: Canadian university student Sophie writes Hi Bucks guys.
3: I was listening to the most recent episode Where you discussed your <laughs> Oh, jeez, I wasn't committed to that. That is the worst accent. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It, it it,
1: was, do you know what that, that accent was? That Was it that Chinese? Was, was Chinese? being smothered by it a bear was, very slowly. I think I was that my was my
0: indecision. Th- I wasn't sure if I
3: should my do one. My
1: indecision accent. <laughs> I think Rises. it was
0: specifically,
3: like uh, specifically.
1: I speak indecision. Try again, shall we?
3: Hi, I'm box cutters. I was listening, listening, listening to the most recent, recent episode where you discussed, discussed children's television and it got me thinking, what's happened to educational programming? When I was a kid in the late 90s and early 2000s, a lot of the shows that had a profound influence on me were unabashedly educational. Things like Bill Nye the Science Guy and The Magic School Bus. There was also a lot of local programming that didn't even pretend to prioritise entertainment over education. Whether that was a good thing is debatable, but watching kids' TV now, it seems that a lot of those programs have been lost and nothing has come to replace them. I was very excited by the idea of a show called Dinosaur Train, only to find it was about friendship and sharing, with Dinosaur Facts a distant third priority. Bah humbug. Why do you think this is? Is it just that it's harder to get and keep children's eyeballs now, with the influence of cable and the internet, or is it something else? Are we just getting dumber? Keep up the good work.
0: Sophie, uh, Sophie, you, you bring up a very good point, and we're going to take a couple of weeks off uh, box cutters. And when we come back, uh, we're going to have a, a deeper look into some of the issues that have come up in this last few weeks on, on Box Cutters, we're going to try to find out more about uh, women writing for, for comedy in Australia and, and speak to some uh, comedy producers and some people in charge of commi- commissioning comedy. We're also going to try to find out about educational programming for for children not just education included in children's programming i think there's a there's a big difference there ben mckenzie just uh, before we find out uh, what's what's under your hat uh dinosaur train dinosaur train you of course being a big fan of dinosaurs and trains and trains would know that the two did not coexist is that that is that is correct did okay.
1: dinosaurs ever like did you get uh, several Tyrannosaurus rex like putting their tiny hands on each other's waists.
0: Oh, like doing the locomotion.
1: Yeah, like a train like that. Did no, they do that? No. Because the tails got in the way?
6: Oh, I see what you mean. No, it was more
0: that their heads, their massive, massive heads would have got in the way. It's a shame. They did have giant heads. They really did. If you have a letter to write to Boxcutters, you can send it to hooray at boxcutters.net or click on the Contact Us link on the website and fill out the form.
1: The letters I, the letters are like the best part of this. I love reading the letters when they get sent in.
0: I thought you said the letters are the best part of the show and I just sit through the rest of it just, just hoping there's going to be a letters segment. Can
1: you not just say what you read in my brain out loud? Because I deliberately didn't say that. just said the other thing.
0: I know, but you were thinking it. If
4: you watch one,
0: I'm going to start because I never get to start. Mm -hmm. Okay. I am going to watch season three... Of Arrested Development oh, isn't in, it a- the, in the lead up to the new season of Arrested Development that's uh, that's going to start. Have at you the
1: not end of this seen one. season three? I have,
0: but I've been re watching uh, seasons one and two, okay. and now I am up to season three. Did right. they get down to, was it just seven episodes in the third season of that? No, it was more
3: it was than so, that. It was, so it, was, it was so few. It was more than It was far, more far than. too few.
1: I have been watching uh, a little show called Nashville. Uh, it's You're still, terrible. Still on
0: with Nashville. It's, it's
1: well, I haven't said it on air before, haven't you? No, mm. I have not. It features Connie Britton, uh, who was Tammy Taylor in Friday Night Lights, and she is my spirit guide. Or her hair is, I'm not sure which. She's amazing. And Hayden Panettieri, who's annoying, but the cheerleader from Heroes. Mm. And it's. She, like, can, she can jump off like
0: giant things and, and like, then break her limbs and
1: then she repairs them. Which is stuff. kind of disappointing because yep. you're like, well. Anyway, so the show is really quite. It's not melodramatic, but it is definitely pretty soapy. It's set in Nashville, surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's about. Uh, Connie Britton who's this like country singer songwriting icon in her 40s um, who's like getting divorced and she's got kids but she's totally awesome and then this new young pop star who's starting out in the business. It's like about the music business and it's like Glee in that they play songs and then you can download them off iTunes but the songs are produced by T-Bone Burnett who produced a whole lot of awesome albums in the 90s that you will remember and love. Um, So the music is really good and written especially for the show. So they have writers that do that. And also, while it is, like, terribly soapy and kind of, like, a bit, you know, bold and the beautiful on moments, um, the dialogue between Connie Britton and her sister and just some of the older women is literally the most realistic dialogue I've ever seen um, between women on television ever. It's... I don't know so you have all this soapy trash and then this discussion about oh you slept with that guy last night oh blah blah blah. Oh, now what are you going to do this and you're like that's exactly the conversations people have that's the conversations i have and it's really impressive anyway i love it and i download it every week
3: with all all the excitement of uh, Game of Thrones third season and uh, a successful sixth attempt into Mad Men, uh, taking up all my time, uh, I'm actually I, I had let the second half of the second season of New Girl pass me by, so I'm going to be catching
0: up on that uh, over a couple of weeks off. I, I love how you manage mm. to turn one thing into three things, and yeah. then your and then your one thing is like the worst thing ever. It's,
1: <laughs> So you had two good things that are not Remember, the things, rem- and then a third one.
0: Remember, Ghost Whisperer was
3: my 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 kind of the b- shame, my boob yeah talker. guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Well, new why not you, is now. Why, don't you watch, why don't you watch awesome?
0: Why don't you watch her? Uh, why, why don't you watch uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt's uh, show about giving wristies to? No. <laughs> giving about wristies about to what's ghosts. A, what's it called, Josh? Uh, that's, I, you know what, I, I don't know off the top of my head But it is about working in a massage parlour Where she just gives wristies Awesome What's
2: under Ben's hat?
0: <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's good, I like it Ben McKenzie Hello Hi uh, a Fedora Yes, a a fedora who was also, am I I not correct, the mother-in-law in in Bewitched. You are close,
6: but that fact is incorrect, like some of the other ones on today's episode, which I will correct for you now. Please do. Because I love it. So under the fedora is my hair. And in my hair are some facts. Um, <laughs> now, I did investigate the claim that uh, the ABC has not made any um, uh-huh. uh, Gough Whitlam documentaries mm-hmm. since, yes. I believe she Go said, ahead, or, when was 1990- it? Uh,
1: 1998,
6: I think it was. Or, no, she no. said like or ninety two. 92. 92. Now or ninety two. Now, that's as far as I can tell true. Um, There have been more recent uh, things about Gough Whitlam. Like
1: dramatisations and stuff.
6: Well, there was a documentary, uh, Gough Whitlam, In His Own Words, on SPS in 2002, directed by Robert Francis, written by John Faulkner oddly written by john faulkner when it's gough whitlam in his own words but never mind (laughs) and in 2008 this was my favorite i'm going to find this and watch it uh and if i can find it online i'll I'll put a link on on the show notes for josh but uh there was a show called gough whitlam made for tv uh independently produced written and directed by bruce petty Mm. uh, which was an animated documentary about gough whitlam that runs for three minutes yeah well Ah,
2: bruce petty's a great cartoonist
6: so uh, I'm going to look that up and see if we can find it. Yeah, so please. Uh, I don't know if that screen on the ABC, I couldn't find a network associated with it, as far as I can tell, independent production. So mm. there we go. Uh, in, in terms of Leon Gatha, um, <laughs> it didn't really come up. I did look up how you pronounce Leon Gather. We're all saying it correctly, as really? far as the locals are concerned. I found a quote from 2006 on uh, Country Breakfast Radio on the ABC. You're pronouncing it differently to how Josh pronounces it. How do you pronounce it, Josh? Leon Gather. Leon Gather? Yes. Mm. That's Leon. Yeah, G- that's not correct.
0: Anyway, never H- how, how are you saying it?
6: Leon Gatha.
1: So there's no, Liam.
6: there's it no just, stress yeah. really, except the Gath. It's all smooth.
0: Liam. Anyway, let's not get into um, mm. semantics.
1: Mm. It's, like, it's, it's like the
0: Astor versus the Esther I'm going to uh, call, call up my friends in Tasmania and see what they say <laughs> about Tasmania. that. I think they'll say, "Can we go to Tanzania?" Um, that's what they'll say.
6: Uh, now, I also looked up, have there, has there been any other narrative work on Channel 31? I can only find two definite examples. Um, of course, 20-something started on Channel 31. Did it? Wow. It did uh, and made the leap to the ABC. Wow. Uh, a show that started on Channel 31 did not make the leap to the ABC or indeed anywhere else uh, was Damon Dark. Uh, Famous science fiction series produced locally in Melbourne. Either a drama or a comedy, depending on your mood when you were watching (laughs)
1: it. Depending how late at night it was and how drunk you were when you got home.
6: Speaking of going back in Box Cutter's history, Mm. uh, if you want to hear the interview with John Clark in which he talks about the way television Mm. works... Mm. You can find that in episode 312, released on July 25th, 2012. We'll put a link to that one Coolio. in the show notes. Uh, it also, I encourage you to look up the history of the plagiarism accusations because John Clark, of course, talking about it, said some very funny things, uh, including listing himself and Ross Stevenson, the other writer of the show, on his website as people who now run a charitable institute mm-hmm. supplying formats to British television. <laughs> I
1: thought that was really good.
6: Uh, but the, uh, I couldn't find any evidence that they've actually taken it to litigation, although they did say it at the time that they would strenuously pursue it and certainly the circumstances around it pretty dodgy um they were represented by producer rick mckenna from kath and kim mm-hmm. who in 2006 went over and talked to the bbc mm-hmm. including meeting with then head of comedy john plowman who introduced rick to writer john morton john morton wrote 2012 mm-hmm. and john plowman who is no longer head of comedy is the producer of mm-hmm. 2012 so it's yeah it's certainly not Cool.
3: So much even comedy, they skullduggery. The well, they're, they're just they're acting to type. I mean, the Brits take something Australian and steal it.
1: Oh, well, not even Australian, just from everyone. Well, I love their museum. Yeah, it's like, like stuff we stole from everyone.
6: Oh, yeah.
3: It's great. Yeah. It's amazing. It is a great museum. Like,
1: wow, you got stuff from everyone. Everyone must be pissed. Uh,
6: I, I, now, I do just want to say to Sophie, um, now I understand your concerns about Dinosaur Train. I do love dinosaurs as well. But I have to give Dinosaur Train props because unlike nearly every other kid show about dinosaurs, they recognise that most of the famous dinosaurs did not live anywhere near each other in time and they visit each other by using a train that travels through time between the Cretaceous, the Jurassic, the Triassic and other periods, thus teaching kids that these dinosaurs could not meet each other without the intervention of magic.
1: So kids,
0: magic is better
6: than dinosaurs. So magic
1: is real.
0: (laughs) Without magic or the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's a magic steam train, basically.
6: Oh, you know what? Uh, they're ripping off Back to the Future Part Three. <gasps> they are. That's terrible.
1: Imagine if you got to the end and Doc's family were just dinosaurs. How good would that be? Well, I think you I just think...
0: blew my mind. Dinosaur train yeah. and twenty twelve. You liked
1: me before. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the client list is the name of the TV show <laughs> with Je- Jennifer Love Hewitt. The, cl- oh, the client, the client list. Wrist? The client Wrist. <laughs> thank, thank you very much, Ben McKenzie. It's all right. <laughs> look that pretty much brings us to the end of uh, of episode three hundred and forty one of box cutters but before we do uh go I want to say th- thanks very much we we got uh, some new subscribers or uh donators or whatever you want to call them uh people giving money to us mm-hmm. this oh, good. this week uh, which is which is lovely thank you very much you can uh do as little as three dollars a month if if you like that's nothing. That's nothing and we'll just keep doing the show and uh, they won't turn our servers off so because we can, we can keep doing it. So, so that was excellent timing because now we're uh,
3: taking some time off.
0: We're taking a couple of weeks off uh, just to, to regroup and mm. do mm. A, a, so, bit of, a bit of research so we can mm. be a bit more informed. Here, here
3: ends the summer fall season. We'll be back with the winter season.
6: Are you splitting? Don't tell me you're splitting this series of box cutters up into two because when they did that on Doctor Who, the second half was rubbish. Anyway,
0: uh, but Neil Gaiman <laughs> is going to write one of our episodes next season, awesome. so it'll be uh, the only good one. So that's that's going to be do- good. Uh, also, uh, some people have written some new reviews on iTunes. I want to say thanks to to those people. they yeah, uh, excellent people. Writing reviews on iTunes helps other people find it because it uh, it, it basically helps iTunes recommend. Uh, box cutters as something that people should listen to so did you bring a sample in for us uh of one of those reviews i tried to but you can't copy and paste from the oh, itunes reviews it Sucks and screen cut uh, yeah and then my boss walked in it was all t- too too yeah. too hard too Brett hard. can
1: do it next time he can bring it in uh I'll but do.
0: yeah some some lovely reviews uh so if you if you get some time mm-hmm. give us a review on itunes or wherever else you you've listen to us if you can i use pocket casts you can't do reviews on pocket casts but uh, uh, other than that uh they make a really good product i can't even update podcasts on my iphone because
3: i still listen through the ipod app i don't have that stupid freaking
0: podcast app yeah but you could download pocket casts and then uh but then not be able to write a review but then you wouldn't be able <laughs> to write a review hey so. Uh, so i'm still doing my fact checking at oh, it's just constantly working. stops. One of the it's most... Like the because Brenner would is. have left by now.
6: Look, one of the most recent reviews uh, left she by has. Yeah Boy... Uh, oh, no, that's the title of the review. Yeah Boy... uh By, by Drigby oh. uh, on the 14th of March. He just says, or she just says, hard to tell.
0: It just says, good... That's positive.
6: <laughs> oh,
1: that's enough.
0: I take that as positive. Five stars. It's five, five, five stars. Five stars are good. Five stars and many O's. Reads
1: like a six. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, well, thanks, thanks for that, Ben. That's you. You are excellent with your speed fact checking. Yep. Okay, that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode three hundred and forty one. We'll be back at the start of June, so we're going to take a, a couple of weeks off. Ben McKenzie, you have another podcast with a guy named John Richards. Yeah, you probably never heard of him, but he's another guy. And didn't he um, is, sexist? Isn't he? Uh, isn't he that <laughs> That's guy? True. Isn't he that guy in uh, celebrity splash club or something? Uh yeah. Yeah that's yeah. the, that's the hole in the wall. Well uh, uh, not that one. Yeah, different shot. <laughs> wow. That's, no, no, that's sequel to the
1: ghost whisperer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> Tell us about your other podcast, Ben McKenzie. Well, the other podcast is called Splendid
6: Chaps. It's all about Doctor Who, and we record it live. Our next show is on the 19th of May. The recording starts at 5pm down at the Public Bar uh, opposite Victoria Markets at 238 Victoria Street. Uh, we're going to be talking about Peter Davison's era on the show, uh, the Fifth Doctor, when he was playing cricket and was nice to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he stick he, he his just, hand up, animals. He would just go to people's farms and... Make their animals he d- better. He would go to people's farms and play cricket with their animals, I think. That's what he'd do. Mm. Uh, and we're also going to talk about fear. Fear in Doctor Who. When it's scary. When it freaks you out. Woo! Uh, and we're going to have great guests. We've got Tegan Higginbotham and uh, Narelle M. Harris. And a musical guest, uh, Georgia Fields, is going to come and play uh, a Doctor Who-based song for us. It's going to the be theme, awesome.
1: The theme to Doctor Who? Is no, a different one. What? There can't be... There aren't any other songs. There's an the only song.
0: for 11 podcasts, coming. <laughs> in fact, there's more. There's more than enough.
1: Wow. There's too many.
0: Episode 11, they're just going to have someone doing a cover of Star Trek and... <laughs> <laughs> we won't even change the lyrics. just, <laughs> we'll just
6: go, it's, going it's going going a filk. It's <laughs> a filk song. Whatever.
0: If you don't know what a filk is, look it up. But don't look too hard or it'll hurt you. How do you spell it? Filk. Like, like milk? But yeah, but with an F. Okay, because otherwise you could start... Uh, Finding some very horrible things, Josh. Yes, I believe you have another podcast. I do, I do. It's all about design. Wow, and uh, and and trying to be a better designer. I love design. That's well, probably why I subscribe to your podcast. You 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 might like the Nudge, uh, which you can find at the dot com dot au. Uh, it's a it's a podcast all about design in which I speak to uh, some colleagues, some clients, uh, and uh, and or speak with, not to. I'm not the host. It's hosted by a robot. It's it's odd. Mm-hmm. It is it's hosted mm. by a robot. Is the robot well designed? The robot is designed by Apple, so uh, probably probably d- designed in California. It would say on the packet of the robot. So it does what it's designed to do, but in a way that a lot of people don't like. Correct. We are totally killing Courtney with this conversation. You know that, don't you? We are just killing her. Until next week. My name is Josh Kanal. What? It's your turn.
1: Who am I? I'm Courtney Hawking.
0: I'm Ben McKenzie.
3: I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next time. No. Oh.
1: Ah.
3: <laughs> Fuck, we've only been doing this for eight years. Do it again. <laughs> we've Do it weeks again. Off. Jesus. Catch us again next time. Next week? Next time. <laughs> Catch us again next week. Same bad time. Same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there.
1: Box Cutters is produced by Josh Canal with Brett Crockley and John Richards and help from Courtney Hocking and Dave Lawson. John Richards edited this episode. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant is the man behind making sure you can actually download stuff. He's good that way. We'd like to thank 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world, for letting us use their studios to record this podcast. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you listen to radio the old-fashioned way. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can show your appreciation by leaving a positive review on iTunes, or maybe just telling some friends what they're missing out on. You can also donate actual cash money to us by using the donate button at the top of our website. Donating helps keep the show alive and makes us smile. Our website is boxcutters.net, and you can find all sorts of ways to contact us there.
0: Yeah, no, we're not going to do that. Of course, like the thing we absolutely would never do is a cliffhanger. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or
3: have just missed Box Gutters.